Radio Newark, the home of Radio Newark Sport. Weeknights from 7. Radio Newark Sport. Brought to you with Smith's Timber Merchants. For all your fencing, decking and DIY needs on Appleton Gate, Newark. Visit smithstimber.co.uk. Welcome to the renowned Radio Newark Sport and the long-awaited return of a Sport HQ favourite. It's been too long, but she's back. And we look at the London Marathon. Ella Whitaker ran the marathon on behalf of Bowman Towers. We talked to her, and she's up at Newcastle Uni, so she'll probably be out on the town somewhere by now. Not Fast Dave rounds up all the news from the Yellow Army, and we talked to Jason Taylor. He was at Anfield last night. Was that the best ever football performance that you've seen? Knowing Jason, I'm sure he'll say it is. First of all, though, it's those all-important local headlines. And with the county leagues coming to an end, the Grove Squash Club's internal competitions are starting to take um, are starting to the action. And for the first time since 1994, there was a ladies' final, which Samantha Stresson overcame Nikki Smith. Three sets to love. In the men's plate competition, Steve Brand beat Adam Whitley, while the main final, James Cockerton beat Jack Peterkin 3-1. And that's to earn his first ever trophy for the club. And the not fast guys and girls are coming to see us at the end of the month. Newark Athletic Club's youngsters enjoyed their first mini-league of the season. Crazy weather conditions and some incredible performances. Stars of the afternoon were Zoe Smith, who recorded 28.8 in the 200 metres and is now 0.4 seconds off a club record for the under-13s. And in an incredible sprint finish, Josh Clee came second. In the 1500. A mixed weekend for stock car David Birmingham. On the plus side, he moved up two divisions. On the negative side, an electrical fault ended his day while running in the top 10 in the final. And talking of decent weekends, a 25th place for Arthur Eakin from 72 fences in the under 14's men's foil at the British Youth Championships on Sunday placed him ninth overall in the under-13 section. 24 hours later, Ethan Dakin collected a silver medal in the under-12's men's foil. Who said there's no life after Ed at, at Fernwood Sword Club? It is. It's looking better and better. New York Rugby Club under-14's rounded off a successful season by winning the Seistons Sevens tournament, their first ever attempt. And a busy week for our cyclists. Round four of the Mallory Park Youth Race Circuit saw a win for Finlay Bass in the under-14s race, while Isabel Darvell finished fifth in, the, in, in West Suffolk at the weekend, while Rebecca Richards, well, she was seventh in Watford. As our cyclists, shall we say, spread the wings or... Got on the bike, really, I suppose, isn't it? But well done to them all. We're talking Ronda Marathon to Nettie Stevens and Paul Davidson have both joined us to talk about uh, their day at the great event. But uh, before we start talking about marathons, um, was that the greatest ever football performance that you saw last night, Tony? Um, no, <clears throat> because I listened to it on the radio. But it was the greatest night ever on front of the radio. Yeah, it was absolutely fantastic. It was uh, unbelievable. I um, was 
pretty tired when I got back from the radio show uh, last night because uh, at the weekend, because I was so excited about our cup final, I woke up at ten o'clock in the, uh, ten past five in the morning, and um, I hadn't really caught up on my sleep since. So I thought, shall I bother tonight? This is last night because. I don't really want to listen to the radio because I'll, I'll just have an early night because, I mean, it's, 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 it's a foregone conclusion. The 3-0 down against against probably the best football team in the world, certainly with the best football in the world amongst the ranks. Wrong. Waste of time. Ronaldo's out. And so, uh, basically, um, I thought, no, okay, I'll go on then. And um, it was the best hour and a half of my, of my football in life. I just thought it was outstanding, absolutely. <coughs> Absolutely brilliant. See, I'm not going to take anything away from Liverpool, even though it absolutely grieves me to compliment them. Um, one, I think... Um, Doesn't matter who it is. One, I think Magic. There, is, there is no other atmosphere quite like the cop, especially on a European night. Um, and Anfield and Jason's going to tell us about that. I've got absolutely no doubt. Two, I think where Messi should have stood up and be counted, he hid, which is why, in my opinion... He'll never make the best. Isn't he? Never is the best. We'll argue this one all night, and we haven't got time. Ronaldo's done it in European Cup finals. He's done it for Portugal. Messi hasn't. Last night he hid. There's no getting away from the fact he hid. I think um, that's. I uh, don't know how. I don't know because I like you. I never watched the match. That's taken an awful lot away from Jurgen Klopp saying that he hid. It was marked out of the game. He hid. No, he didn't. And he's also well, the same people couldn't mark him in, in the new camp. Lionel Messi has scored more goals on his own than Ian Rush and Wayne Rooney, the top scorers for Liverpool and Man United, but put has, together. Yes, but he's not in Ronaldo's league. People like that don't hide. He just got he outplayed. Hit. He got he outplayed hit. on the day. But I how, support Forrest, how, you know what you're on about. How man. bad was Barcelona? <laughs> look at goal number four. They were as good as they look were allowed to be. Look at goal. <clears> no, look at goal number four. The corner. You don't even see that marking from over the Trinity Reserves on a Sunday morning. <laughs> it was shocking, and you can't argue with that. No. It was shocking. They went off for a chat. No, but I, 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 I don't care. I'm not taking anything away from Liverpool, Tony. I think it was brilliant. I couldn't see. I just could not see it happening. But if I was the Barcelona manager, I would be looking for a new job. I'm sure he will be. It doesn't and matter. Those players who have now, in two seasons on the bounds, led a three-goal lead go. But it, it, doesn't, then they, it, it doesn't matter which football team you support, you should just look at that last night yeah, and, I, and take your hat off to it. I'm going to, when Jason, we'll, we'll, we'll get all the plaudits when Jason joins us, um, but the bottom line is, I think Barcelona bottled it. To an extent, not, not fully, I think they bottled it. And they had to stand up and be counted. They'd got 11 players giving it everything and they'd got 50-odd thousand fans howling at them but the best players in the world, from what you call the best club in the world, should have responded better than that. Well, that's, I think they played as well as they were allowed to play, and I think tactically from Jurgen Klopp and the response from his team just deserves all the plaudits in the world. Y Jurgen Klopp had to get last night right because he got it wrong in Spain. So he had to get it right last night. They didn't play, and he did. They didn't play badly did. in Spain. They were beaten by a genius and last night. And where was the he genius last night? He, he was hiding. He wasn't allowed to play because he, he was, was tactically outmanoeuvred. He was hiding. He was there's the no, same such, team there's no such thing as hiding at that level. Well, you, it, you can be outplayed as Ronaldo was by Ajax. Nobody could touch Messi in Spain. Anyway, right. 
that's you finished on football. We'll discuss this and then agree you were wrong. Because you're wrong. Um, and you know what makes me right and you wrong? You've got that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's his fader, Dan. That's that one sorted out once and for all. <laughs> you see, he's gone. <laughs> right, okay. So uh, we're back to we're back to Liverpool, and it was a, an absolute fantastic. Whatever we say, um, that performance has got to go down as a por- the performance of the season in world football. Simple as. Ever. Unless somebody can beat it between now and then. But the bottom line is, he still hasn't won anything in four years. He's got to win something. Saturday's far more important. He's got to, well, they can't do anything about Saturday, can they? When Berwick Rangers play Cove in that oh, playoff, dear. that's more important. But well done. <laughs> you see, it's gone down again. <laughs> uh, right, the London Marathon, two years ago, um, Nettie Stevens came into the studio. Um, she was going to run the London Marathon. Um, I'm sure you all know Nettie, and Nettie is uh, one of not fast jewels in the crown, and... Um, you want Nettie and she won't mind me saying that Nettie is a blind runner she won't mind me saying that because she is a blind runner but you will all know that that listen to this show regularly so we won't dwell on that um two years ago um she got into the London Marathon we all got super excited um it didn't go to plan and that's where I want to go back two years ago so uh Nettie first of all a belated warm welcome back to Radio Newport thank you uh, thank lovely you. to have you back in the studio and you're you're looking resplendent in your virgin money <laughs> finisher sort of um <laughs> t-shirt and Paul's got his on as well and you've both got your medals and that that's that's fantastic um what happened two years ago two years ago just fall under my friend I had a little bit of a fall down the stairs I was a bit injured and I thought I'd be fine I got on the six miles London marathon, slipped on a bottle top and ended up in the ambulance. And I ended up walking the last 20 miles because I was so stubborn and I found out I had a double stress fracture of the pelvis. <laughs> <laughs> so let, let's, just, let's just... So there's no messing about on this. You walked 20 miles with a double stress fracture of your pelvis. Well, I thought it was pulled muscle. <laughs> <laughs> and... You, you actually did complete the London Marathon. I did. It took eight hours, 35 minutes. But you didn't... Um, and Paul was waiting all day for me. It wasn't what you expected. Some no. people make any excuse whatsoever for a rubbish time, won't they? <laughs> <laughs> you, you, want to, you, you, want to hear, you want to hear the story about how they lost 15 minutes in this London Marathon. <laughs> there's, there's that one to come. And I, uh, you just... Yeah. Wait. So... Um, when it came around again, I mean, Paul is, I think Paul is Nettie's net mentor, advisor. She's and the person that he turns to, that, that, that she turns to every time something needs sorting or a decision <laughs> needs making. So when Nettie got into the London Marathon this year, she would have turned straight to Paul and said, Paul, shall we give it a go? Now, when I say we give it a go, Nettie, as we said, is blind, so Paul has to be Nettie's eyes. They've got a little sort of rope attached to each other, which is probably no more than a foot long, is it? It's no, right, yeah. it's no length at all. Um, so you've got what, 20, 30,000 people running, and as well as Paul looking out for where he's going... It's 42,000. 42,000, that's a lot. <laughs> See, she's correcting me already, isn't she? <laughs> You um, get used to his research when you've been here a while, love. <laughs> 42,000. 
41,998 others. Um, Paul has to be net his eyes. So, Paul, was there a a conversation that would it be possible? Would it be worth doing? Is it something that you've both got to do? Well, um, when um, Nettie applied for London, she went in the ballot, um, I think it was this time last year, and they make the draw about October time. And I was delighted when she didn't get in, actually, in the ballot. I couldn't believe me good luck because I thought I'd get let off here for running a marathon. Um, I last run a marathon, last ran a marathon competitively in 1994, 25 years ago, and I said it was the last one. Anyway, uh, Nettie told me that she was going to go in for the Not Fast Club ballot to get a guaranteed entry. And I'm thinking, what are the chances of she getting a ticket? No, she won't get one. Anyway, she pulled, someone pulled, a, pulled a name out of the hat. I could have died. <laughs> um, I thought, Sheena could guide you. So she, she asked Sheena, but Sheena had got a place of her own and she wanted to race it as well. That's the guy that guided her in 2017. So Nettie smiled at me and said, pretty please. <laughs> did it i mean you would have known the the pitfalls before the race i mean you were talking off air before it started how difficult it was but you would have known what you was letting them letting yourself in for just explain your role in all this right i'm Nettie's guide and i'm her eyes and Nettie's still got to do the running so um, but what I try to do as a guide runner in any race we do is just give her a little bubble of space, a little safety zone, and try to keep other runners out of it so we don't get tripped from the front, from the rear, from the side, barged. Um, that normally works really well, and we have I have guide written all over my jacket, and Nettie has a um, blind runner on the front of her T-shirt and back. But in London, we just couldn't do that. It was so congested, the whole race. I couldn't believe how busy it was. Um, it was busy enough in 1994, but it's almost twice as many people there. Um, There's 42,000 racing. Yeah, yeah, apparently, yeah. Apparently, yeah. Yeah, almost double from last time I ran it. <laughs> <laughs> almost. And, yeah, and it was so busy, the whole 26.2 miles, I couldn't believe it. And it was a nightmare trying to stop people chopping us up and... Um, and then there was drink station every mile and people was grabbing bottles and just chucking them on the floor and um, the plastic bottles are half drunk with water. If she stood on one, that's the end of the race. You know, she's over. She's probably pulled a muscle or gone down and, or worse. So steering clear of 20 <laughs> drink stations and all the bottles that was discarded after them um, and around them was a challenge. I didn't take my eyes off the floor once. I talked to, to runners... We talk to runners all the time on here, and, and they all say the same, particularly Adam Holland, who sort of seems to run a marathon every day of the year almost. <laughs> and, and Adam will say, even at times when he's doing a marathon, he goes into a, a mental state, a zone, that he can't tell you what's happening in the last 10, 15 minutes because his body's probably catching up with what he's actually doing. And then you snap out of it and, oh, right, OK, we're at 20-odd miles and this is where we are. For somebody who's not run a marathon for a long time, to actually stay alert for the whole time, Paul, that is a hell of an achievement. Yeah, well, the previous, I've run the London six times before, raced it, and I can say the same as Adam, I, I didn't see one sight when I raced it, because you're just in that zone, you, apparently I went past the Cutty Sark and then Docklands, and you just don't see it, you just 
concentrating on the pain, keeping the pain and your pace and um, you drift off with your thoughts. And this time I didn't see anything for a different reason. <laughs> I was looking at the floor um, the whole time and, and people's feet and just weighing up. And, and, and when we was approaching, people were starting to walk after seven miles, which I couldn't believe. And, um, you know, there's a whole a range of abilities in the London Marathon, from fun runners right to the serious Mo Farahs. Um, and um, that people was, st- the charity places were starting to walk at seven miles. So that caused a bottleneck for us. And getting past as a pair, because we're on a tether, was quite a challenge. So we just had to slow down, buy the time, wait till there's a little bit of space and then get past. And, and all the time, though, <laughs> this is what amazes me, because all the time, you're looking to make sure there's nobody coming from behind at the side. You're not going to barge into somebody. You're not going to tread on something. But you've got to be talking all the time as well. Yeah. yeah. Con- continuous communication. You'd have been a good guide, Tony. No, no, no. Had to be. No, no, no. Might talk sense. I'm, 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 just, I'm just thinking what you're saying because um, I did the London Marathon two years before your last one in 92 and before that in 89. And you had acres yeah all to yourself yeah and then i did the great north run and i, I didn't enjoy that no. at all people are banging into you from the back you're banging into people at the front and there's just too many people for a half marathon yeah. the joy of the london is uh, amongst the many many joys as as, as as you both know but the joy is you've got so much space to sort of determine how you're going to sort of... You can do your own race, basically. How you're, sort of, how you're going to get to Everest and plant that flag. Yeah. And you've, you've got your own space, but it now sounds as horrific as, as, as the Great North Run. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it wasn't. Um, another example, normally um, the start is the worst time for Nettie because there's just so many people and everybody's eager to get off and they're just concentrating about on, the, on themselves getting a good start. So once we've normally got the start out of the way in any race whether it's a park run or a half marathon, 10k, we can settle down into our pace and we can um, just relax and we've got a bit of space. But in London, it was the opposite. The start was actually the good bit because we set off in waves this year. Um, the fast guys set off at 10 past 10 and then they had seven or eight waves where people started at 10-minute intervals after 10 past 10 and we was in wave seven. So we had a lovely start for three miles and then... The other three, after three or four miles, we joined the other starts. So there's four starts, red, yellow, green and blue. Um, and we merged with the other three starts. And that's when it started getting congested. That's when the fun started. Right, we're just going to take a quick um, break from uh, the London Marathon. And, but we're going to stop with Not Fast, actually, because it's Wednesday night. So, of course, it's time to talk to uh, Not Fast Dave. OK, we're trying, uh, we've gone to the phone line, so we're trying to get hold of Jason. It was at the match last night and... Uh, Nothing seems to be happening at the moment. It's ringing. Hi Tony. there. It is. Tony's got him. Yep. It's radio new. You're on live, yep. mate. Yep. And so we'll go straight to Jason on the phone. Jason, you're live on Radio New. Good evening. Hi, Mick. How you doing? I'm very good, and I've got no doubt you're still sort of hanging off the ceiling. Um, <laughs> I want to take it back to actually lunchtime of yesterday, which is the last time I saw you, and uh, I got the impression you was going t- over to Liverpool, travelling in more more in hope than sort of expectation. Um, when you got there and got into the ground, the first thing I want to talk about is the atmosphere, because I don't think there is another ground and another set of supporters that can create that atmosphere on particularly a European night. Um, tell us a bit about that first, if you would. 
yeah, I mean, it was just uh, yeah, the, the fans have obviously decided that the only way to salvage some from the uh, first leg was to get behind the boys and you know get the atmosphere up, and, and that's exactly what happened. You know, as soon as Barca came out to, to warm up, uh, they were booed at every touch, um, and then when both teams came out to, to begin the game, you know, the, 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 the crowd just got right up, and it was just deafening, uh, just the noise from all four corners of the ground. It was fantastic. When did it occur to you? I mean, you're a football man, so you you, you know you know the game. Uh, there was an early goal, but it was still one nil at half time. When did it actually occur to you that, hang on a minute, something could happen here? Well, I would have liked to have seen a second goal before half time um, to really get the tails up. But you know, you, you keep believing, um, and the fact that you know Liverpool wanted to win every ball. You know, Henderson and the boys like that were just absolutely like men possessed. Um, and when that second goal went in, that that was the point, you know, when you just knew, hang on a minute, this is coming. And then to get the third goal so quickly afterwards, um, and Barcelona just looked shot. The ball boy in the in the corner, I'm talking about the fourth goal now, and I've, I've seen it time and time again. The ball boy deserves the freedom of Liverpool, Jason. <laughs> I'd have to agree. <laughs> I'd have to agree. I, I think yeah. he, 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 he conned the referee and he conned Barcelona. And the only two people that knew what he was doing was the two Liverpool players. <laughs> well, let's face it, Mick. They were they were diving and trying every trick in the book. So you know, uh, it, it was uh, just desserts, in my opinion. You're also a manager. If, if 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 and I know it's only a youth team that you manage, but if you defended like that from a corner, I'm sure you would have something to say at the end of the game. You'd certainly be disappointed, wouldn't you? <laughs> and that's an understatement. Um, I mean, it's fantastic. Uh, two questions, really. I- I've been arguing my um, co-correspondent in here tonight. Did Barcelona bottle it? Or was it just an amazing Liverpool performance? And I know you're not going to give me a biased answer. I think a bit of both, to be fair. I think the atmosphere got to them. I don't think it's what they expected. Um, and, and, you know, as 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 the goals were going in, you had the, the doubt crept into their minds and, and they would have been thinking about Roma last season when a similar thing happened to them. Um, you know, and, and Liverpool Football Club don't ever, you know, they're never beaten, uh, as Istanbul proved. And, and I think that as the goals reigned in, I think Barcelona just, just lost it. They lost their heads. Um, you know, they just forgot how to play. You know, it, um, it, it's amazing to think that the arguably the best club in the world certainly most of the best players in the world can crumble when there's 50,000 scousers yelling at you for 90 minutes solid <laughs> well you know i think liverpool stopped them playing mate you know they just the, the, the service to the to the to the forwards wasn't wasn't what you saw in the first leg um I, I, you know i think just Although Barcelona did have their opportunities and the, and the keeper made several fine saves, um, I think on the night, Liverpool wanted it more. And I think Barcelona maybe turned up uh, a little bit complacent, thinking that they'd done the job in the first leg. And your ex-hero, your ex-forward, the man that did so much for Liverpool, did he get a warm welcome? No. <laughs> no, the, the, the supporters made it clear what we felt about him. Uh, he made it clear what he felt about us last week with his antics. Um, I don't mind anybody celebrating a goal, got no problem with that. But it was his antics and stuff that went on uh, in the tunnel at half time, etc. And the fact that he, uh, you know, obviously 
did a, did a, did a bit of a job on Andy Robertson last night, and uh, I think his stocks have fallen massively. It all changes now because whoever wins tonight between Tottenham and Ajax, you're going to go into that final as the favourites. But surely, if Klopp plays like gets some playing like last night, and I know it's not at Anfield, but if he gets some playing at that tempo, surely it's going to be a six European Cup, isn't it? How many more European Cups is that than Man United's won? <laughs> what are they on three? <laughs> I you know very well what they're on. <laughs> I think on their day, you know, Liverpool can beat anybody. Um, and if they turn up uh, and they play how they've been playing all season, um, there's no reason why they can't well win it. But whoever they play, Mick, you know, but Tottenham or, or Ajax, they're going to turn up and they're going to want to win the game as well. So it's going to be very tough. You have two tickets to go to Anfield, and uh, it, it wasn't your son's turn last night, so who did you take last night? I took my daughter last night. And what did you say to your daughter at the end of the game? How old is your daughter? She's 15. She's 15, and what did you say to her at the end of the game? I just said, remember this for the rest of your life, because you may not ever see anything like this again. And that's exactly <laughs> the point. It's, uh, it was one of those It was one of those nights that you'll never, ever forget. And from... Talking to me at lunchtime, saying, oh, well, I suppose i better go. I bet you're glad you went now, aren't you? Yes, yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know me, Mick, I've been going for, for, for nearly 30 years and I've had some disappointing journeys home and I've had some great journeys home and, and last night was one of the best and uh, that, that's why, you know, I follow this club. It's, it's just, yeah. It, I never thought I'd say it, but I thought last night and all day today, We've all been Liverpool fans. Even the Manchester United fans have begrudgingly got got to give you some credit today. And it has been begrudging, but it's been fun listening to it. <laughs> yeah, it's been good. It has, I've got to admit. It's one of the good days. Jason, thanks for joining us, and uh, the best of luck in the final. Thanks a lot, mate. You can't have a bunch of Cockneys winning it, can we? <laughs> we can't. <laughs> Talk to you later. Cheers. Thanks, bye-bye. Bye. Jason Taylor there who went to the game last night more in hope but um, yes he was quite glad he actually went to the game and um, I don't think you'll find a Manchester United fan with a good word to say for last night <laughs> oh it was begrudging but it was funny um, right we have started the London Marathon we've hit the seven mile mark where we've come to a We've started the London we, Marathon. We, it's a team effort. Have you sat a down team. in front of a television, mate? Got team. a cup of tea, have you? We, we, <laughs> you, wouldn't know the me- you wouldn't know the meaning of the word team because you've been on your own for so long. <laughs> this is a team effort. So we have got we have got to seven mile mark. How disappointing was it, Nettie, that when you got into your stride, suddenly you had to stop again? It was really disappointing because we put so much training into it and... You know, I just expected so much of it, and I really did enjoy that first few miles, and I'd buzz in, and then all of a sudden it's just gone, and then I just do you think the pain. it's got too big? Uh, no, I don't. There's forty-two thousand in it, you know. <laughs> do you know? Funny enough, there's forty-two thousand. No, I don't think it because London Marathon. It's like it's worldwide, isn't it? Everybody knows about London Marathon, and I don't think it's got too big. I mean, it's not some. I, I mean, it's not something I want to go back and visit. I feel like I've settled You've my... You've got us on the bucket list now. You've done it. You've done I've it. I've done it. Exactly. So, you got running again and everything was going smoothly. What um, You got past the the mark from last time. Um, everything going oh, well. Do you know what? I was so nervous until I got up to that mark. As soon as I went past <laughs> that mark, it's like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> everything was all right again. Yeah. Brilliant. But I knew that bottle station was there and I thought, oh, yeah. When... Um, 
what was the next sort of milestone for you both? In, uh, well, in, in I wanted racing? to get to the 15k, but every time I went over these chip things, I kept thinking, if I get to the 15k, I can let everybody know from 2017 that I've got to this point. I'm okay. <laughs> so, because you, you kept going over about every yeah, 5k, life tracking, didn't you? Life tracking every 5k. So um, I thought, I need to get to the 15k. And it's sort of like, once I get to the 15k, I sort of like breathed. Right, we're just... Okay, right. So, the 15k was the mark. Um, but, Paul, after about 19 miles... I work in miles, it's English. I can't understand <laughs> Ks. After about 19 miles, um, you was feeling it a little bit. It and was, then it turned out, for different reasons, so was Nette. Yeah, well, it was about 16 miles. I was getting a low patch because we'd eaten a breakfast at 5.30 in the morning. And, um, oh, to be honest, I was ready for my dinner by the time we got he started in the race. <laughs> Um, you know, we got to about 16 miles and uh, we had it. I said to Nettie, oh, I need a gel or a little um, energy bar. So we had one of those. And then um, we got bit just after 18 miles and Nettie says, uh, I think I might need the loo. <laughs> <laughs> um, you Which think, is just or, what you want to know. <laughs> I said, well, can you hang on to 19? And she says, no. No. I, don't, I just said I don't want brown pants. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, where did you end up, Nettie? We ended up in the pub. End up in the pub. But there was no toilets at that point, so we, we, we ran off course and this marshal let us off course and you found this pub and we went in this pub and it was really nice, actually, because when we got in the pub, they said, you're going the wrong way. So, <laughs> <laughs> if you want to say so well, yeah that's <laughs> <laughs> so that's what the customers are saying to us and i thought and then i got paul outside the talk are you okay netty yeah I'll be out any minute looking at me watch <laughs> you were still tethered paul were you <laughs> <laughs> yeah you did you didn't let go of that rope then, did you? <laughs> <laughs> well i've never read any, i've just never read anything like, i've been I've heard of Adam's antics, but this is this is unbelievable. <laughs> to be honest, I thought she was going to hide in there all day. Yeah. I, I, I thought she'd bottled she it. She's not got and... a G&T in the back to Chris in there as well, <laughs> yeah. Well, the Marsha just said, oh, you come back. <laughs> yeah, see, this is the not fast dinner coming out now. She couldn't get past the pub. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you finally got her back out, Paul. Yeah, back, back on the course. Got back into stride. And actually, I suppose... A rest then would have does that work in yeah, favour? It does actually. Yeah, we both were back out on the course and we both got f- fresh legs. Really, um, I'd had a drink and another energy. Um, well, you had a, a couple a of pints, hadn't you? <laughs> 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 well, I said to Nettie, she'd been in there that long. I said I'd had steak and chips. And she'd, you did have dinner, so you yeah. was all right. <laughs> yeah, we got we got going again, and then um, I think the next landmark for us was the tunnel. There's a tunnel about twenty miles, and. Um, Nettie thought it was a good idea to get Nettie printed in great big letters on her T-shirt just before we went off to London. Not just T-shirt. Yeah, and the noise from the crowd, once they saw Nettie was a a visually impaired runner, was just phenomenal. It was just deafening from mile one right through to to the finish line. They were just cheering out a name and it was fantastic, but it it was very imposing, wasn't it? It was... (coughs) We felt very claustrophobic with all the noise just surrounding us all the time, and then about twenty miles we goes into. It's a bit like Barcelona <laughs> last night. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> echoing, reverberating around the stadium, and um, we, then we en- entered the underpass, and it was like an oasis of quiet. It was beautiful, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. Uh, I mean, it wasn't so much for me for the shouting, shouting my name and that because I actually did love that. It was the drum. <laughs> it was the drums. Another loud drums and that lot. What? 
kept going. There was drums on the course, mm. bands on the course, and and a, a new novel thing that they didn't have it back in 1994, Tony. Um, people were buying loud, just ordinary members of the public were buying themselves loud hailers. I'm assuming you can get on Amazon or eBay and and buy these things for a few quid, and they was using these to shout at everybody. And, and <laughs> the first few nearly made me jump out my trainers, and it was that loud. And where did that come from? And, yeah, you look around, they've all got these, like, megaphones. And, oh, lovely. Know, so. so then you come to run down the mall. Ah, oh, magic. I mean, last time you, Nettie went down the mall, it was... Well, tears. It was tears and... But was oh. it, what was it like for you both? What, was your, what was your commentary like? What was his commentary? He, 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 he put uh, you in do you charge. know what? He actually did tell me about the ice of the pollen and, and Big Ben and things like that. He did actually tell me near, near the end, didn't you? About yeah. things. We had a runner dressed as Big Ben come past us. You yeah. probably saw him on the yeah, TV. He, 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 couldn't, he couldn't <laughs> get in. He couldn't get under. Well, we overtook him. And, but he, he told me all about that. As soon as I got in the mall, I just... Me, I had tears, but I had like happy tears. And then we got up near, not far from the finishing line, and said to Porter, "We need a photo before we cross the line." So we posed for a photo. Mm. But there's actually a photo on there of Paul taking a photo of me <laughs> from, from the photographer. So, but we had to. I thought we'd been in the loo for 15 minutes. We might as well just <laughs> take 10 seconds out for a quick photo. So if you'd done it from start to finish, you could have done about two hours thirty, couldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I was going to say you'd set, you'd set yourself say, "This is the time I want to do," hadn't you? Which yeah. was to break five hours. That was what you wanted to do. But I, I, I would have thought yeah. Paul very quickly it occurred to you that that wasn't going to happen with the sheer volume of people and the way you was having to. To sort be honest, of it was on t- t- until the toilet stopped. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that, that's the thing about marathons. Yeah. Everything has got to go 100% right, oh, and um, you, it just can't be helped. Um, it happens on training runs, and you f- keep your fingers crossed it doesn't happen in a race. But so, a, after a toilet stop, your your dinner and a couple of pints and, and <laughs> photos for all, What what? when did you finally get around to crossing the line? Well, straight after the last photo, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, five and hours, then, 17 minutes and 48 seconds, was it? Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> and then you just... Do you regret stopping now at that pub? No, because there's no way I'm going to walk my own You know what I mean? You've got to go, you've got to go. There was loos at every mile marker, um, Porter Loos, and there was queues at every single loo. We actually did the right thing by going You know why there was queues, don't you? (laughs) There was (laughs) 42,000. And we're going to talk to another one of them in a moment, live from Newcastle University. So, uh... Let's hope Ella's remembered we're going to ring and then we're going to have a final five minutes with uh, these two wonderful people. (laughs) And it's time to go live to Newcastle now to talk to Ella Whitaker, who also ran the race, and she ran the race raising funds for Bowman Tower. So, first of all, good evening, hello, and welcome to Radio New York Sport, Ella. Hi. Hi. um, Newcastle Uni, you couldn't be anywhere better. I love going up. I've got uh, family up up there and... uh, Saturday night in Newcastle, uh, um, yeah. I should, yeah. There's not a lot of revising being done, I wanted for it, is there? Not, uh, well, there is this year, but not in previous years. <laughs> Good girl, not in previous I take it then you are a Newark girl? I am, yeah. I was. Uh, lived, I kind of went to school in Newark and have lived there since then. My family are all from there as well, so we're all, all, all Newark. So tell me a bit about why you entered the London Marathon and why you chose Bowman House? 
So I I lived in London last year, so I watched um, one of my friends run it and fundraise for a, a charity close to her. And um, you kind of go on the day, and it becomes it's such an amazing day to go like be a part of and the support and everything. So going last year kind of made me think about doing something like that. I'd never considered doing a marathon or anything like that before. I was never never a runner. Um, but someone at work said it's very unlikely to get in if you enter in the ballot on your first try. So I thought at least if I register and enter, then I've tried. But I actually managed to get in. So it was because of that that I kind of did it. And then I decided to run, um, raise the money for Beaumont House because just of the support around the community and everything that they offer to like local families and also for kind of a personal reason my grandma's late husband was going to be a resident and that there and they provided a lot of support for like her and our family at that time so I thought it would be really nice to raise money for just a charity that really deserves it and needs the donation. Just take you back Anna when when you got the um the email or the letter or whatever you get Mm -hmm. saying that uh, yes you have been successful was you sort of (laughs) overjoyed or thinking what the heck have I done? I'd honestly forgotten about it. So you you have to apply. Um, so the ballot closed at the end of last week, and then you don't find out until October. So I had actually completely forgotten. And then I got an email saying that, congratulations, your ballot place has been accepted. And I was just like, oh, no. I was like, I actually have to do it now. But I was really glad that I've done it. But no, it was it was a bit of, it was a bit of just, oh, gosh. And then I rang my parents, and they actually laughed when I told them that I'd got in. So I was feeling really positive. You can't beat a bit of parental support. <laughs> no, I know. Oh, dear. Is this the start of a marathon career? Um, not... I must say, I've caught the bug, and I didn't think I would. I've entered again for next year, and I think I am definitely going to keep going, and I'd never thought that it would be something that I enjoyed, but I haven't. I'm going to try and do another one at some point, I think, and improve on what I did the other weekend. And now the all-important question, what did you do the other weekend? So I ran it in six and a half hours, my first marathon. So I was, it was what I, I said initially between six and seven hours, I think was a likely a likely time because I was never, before October, I hadn't even ran a mile, so I thought I'd be realistic. So, yeah, I did it in just over six and a half hours, so I was quite quite happy with that. And, yeah, the whole day was just really incredible. My guests in the studio tonight are, are, are Nettie Stevens and Paul Davidson. Nettie is a visually impaired runner, and Nettie and, yeah. Paul, and Paul guided around. Paul, you've been running marathons all your life, from not running a mile in October to doing it in <laughs> six hours in the London Marathon, that is one heck of an achievement. Oh yeah, incredible! Um, I can understand why she had a panic attack when she when she found out she was accepted, thinking she's only got six months. You know, it took me twenty years to. That <laughs> she did incredibly well. Yeah, it was fantastic achievement, um, Ella, and well done. And you, you was raising money for Bowman Tower, so obviously, um, my next question is: um, How much did you raise? Yeah, so I've managed. Um, been kind of completely overwhelmed with the amount of support that I received. I only set a, a target of £500, and I thought that was kind of aiming a bit high, but I've actually managed to raise over £2,000. Hey, well done, you. That's brilliant. Yeah. That is fantastic. Yeah. I take it a lot of those generous Geordies helped out. Yeah, I've loads of my friends yeah. and loads of family members, and also I've had a lot of, on the day and over the weekend, I had a lot of support from people I didn't even never didn't even know the taxi 
taxi driver that drove us back to the hotel after gave me like five pounds and people on the train were giving money it was really really nice it's it's fantastic i know i know i do know bowman tass are so so proud so proud of what you've done yeah. for them and no. you should be so proud a, a fantastic a fantastic achievement and thank you for joining us and telling us all about it and uh, we'll, t- we'll talk to you again um, this time next year when you've uh, done it again and undercut the five hours i'll try i'll do my best <laughs> uh, well done enjoy enjoy newcastle it's a lovely place to be um and enjoy the studies i hope all goes goes well thank you so much thanks thank you bye-bye bye that's not bad, is it? Sort of not to London Marathon in in six months. Don't recommend it. Crash course, crash course in marathon running. Strike. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, what an ama- What an ama- and, and 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 to raise two thousand quid as well. Then you know, she's amazing. Well, she's well done, Ella. That is a fantastic achievement. Okay, you finally got you two over the line. We've we've stopped taking photos, and um, <laughs> what happened? I mean, the cameras go then, don't they? And, you know, once you've crossed the line in the London Marathon, the cameras don't show you what happens for the rest of the day. Well, I've got to admit, when I crossed the line, I broke down in tears. And then Paul gave me hope, so I was like, emotional that I actually did it. And a lady came up and said to me, is she OK? All I can remember, Paul saying, yeah, she's fine. <laughs> <laughs> what, one thing that... One one thing that annoyed me when I was I, I, I was told is, is that it's only just this year that actually London Marathon have recognised guide runners. So Paul would have had to do everything and not even been recognised as being a participant in the London Marathon. And I, I, how bad is that? But this year they've actually managed to put that one right. Yeah, yeah. Um I always just accepted that I'm just Nettie's guide. I'm a rise. It's Nettie's race. But I don't pay f- to enter as a guide, so um, it would have been nice to have had an acknowledgement, but it, it's not the end of the world. Um, my reward is seeing Nettie cross that finish line. Every run, my reward is making, you know, fulfilling Nettie's um, desire to run or race. Um, that's good enough for me. This year, London Marathon, um, there was a bit of... Um, bit of a publicity campaign to try and get recognition for guide runners and um, they succeeded um, london marathon came on board and um, we get a chip now and um, officially get a medal and um, a t-shirt so um, good old london marathon and um, great tony was our guest tonight we, we spoke to somebody who was completely overwhelmed by going to see his favorite team at, at newcastle at newcastle at liverpool <laughs> <laughs> that, that's wishful thinking <laughs> at, um, at liverpool we've talked to a young lady who's as far as i can see has worked miracles so i've had a football team that's worked miracles a young lady that's worked miracles and two guests in the studio tonight one a- absolute total admiration because i would have just gone and sat in the corner of a room and be forgotten about i wouldn't have even dreamt of running an under marathon and somebody that's not only ran the marathon, but has been probably the most alert person in London on that day. <laughs> I, I think we talk, We have spoke to some amazing people. Yeah, it's, it's been another very, very special show. But I mean, having I, having been there and, and and knowing the not only what it takes out of the body, but knowing the emotions on the day it is just 
a unique experience. And um, the, uh, the the young lady who's, who's done the uh, fundraiser for Bowman House, I mean, what a fantastic achievement. I mean, if, you, if you've not done any running at all, and then you take on Everest, it is, as well as being uh, crackers in the sort of Adam Holland stakes, it is just awesome bravery. But, I mean, she can see. And, and you know, sort of if, 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 you're a, if you're a visually impaired runner and you take on something like that, it's just all the respect in the world, you know. But what I was going to just make a note to make and say, um, ask Nettie, what's on the bucket list now? Well, I've got... You a, ask it, Tony. What's on the bucket list now, mate, Ed Nettie? Well, I've got a trunk <laughs> mile next week, um, uh, but we have got the Blind Metro Games in <coughs> June, haven't we? We have a track, track event um, for visually impaired people in London. Sorry, yes, it's a track event for um, visually impaired people in London. We're still not picking, it's still not... It's, just put it back in front of you, Paul. That, that, that's it. That's great. Yeah, Nettie mentioned the uh, Metro Games. Um, we're going down, and um, I'm guiding a blind guy um, on the track in 5,000 metres, um, and my wife's guiding Nettie on the track um, in 5,000 metres as well. So, um, And we're, it's a level playing field because everybody that competes is visually impaired. So we, we're going to you're going to show them, aren't we? Yeah, we're going to do it. Simple. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm proud of that. Also, I'm doing the new calf. Okay. So, um, but I'd like to get back into my swimming and everything. So, yeah, I've got loads of stuff on my bus. Grantham Half Marathon. Grantham Half Marathon. October. Did you ever meet Anton Deck? No. I'm no. Still, I, do you know, I can't believe I've been to London. I kept saying to Paul, have you seen Anton Deck yet? And he just, and by the 18th mile... Every time I heard a car, I thought it was him driving, actually. I was try, <laughs> trying to keep Nettie safe in case it was him coming around the corner. Well, one's banned, and the, and the other one, you just see the steering wheel move. So, no, I'm still not meant to... <laughs> I mean, she's a wonderful person. I, I love her to bits, but Anton Deck? I love Anton Deck. I just love to meet him. I've always liked Anton Deck, so... Yeah, I'd love to meet him one day. That's, that is on my bucket list. I can't even. I can't think. Tony, you. I can't think of anything to say about. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's, it's 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 all right, like in Newcastle, but Anton Deck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, Newcastle yeah. is brilliant, but them two, I can't. We'll, I can't fathom. But we'll, a- anyway, we love you very Andy. much, Nettie. But Anton Deck, dear God. <laughs> well, I will, I will meet him one day somehow. How important is a new calf to you? New calf is very important because it's my local. It's my local one and. Normally, new radios there, so that's even better. That's the icing on the cake. But I love it because it's all the the surrounding and the villages that you go through. Something about Cassie. And I, I am doing it for Cassie. Uh, Keep going. Uh, I've started. I've started raising money for Cassie. I did one event where I cut poor air. Um, blind, blind air cut, but I've yes, I, did, I did notice he's, he's, he's lost his flowing locks. Yeah, <laughs> so I've raised nine nine hundred and thirteen pounds so far. Just and tell I'd me like, a little bit. Just tell the, the listeners a bit of what the charity. Well, is. Cassie is a small charity. It's on Millgate, and it's to do with young people um, up to the age of twenty five. Anybody who's got any depression, mental health, or you know, need help, just needs that extra support, and. I decided to pick that charity because it is only a small one. And, like I say, so far I've raised £913. Well done, you. I'm really hoping to get to the £1,000 mark. And then my event is going to be Newark and hopefully I'll be able to raise the rest of the money. I'm sure we'll... Um, 
we'll give that a plug for you on more than Thank one you. occasion. We were, ah, and that good, huh? you know, it's brilliant. So you cut Paul's hair? Yes. I cut Paul's hair. Well, I said to him, oh, I right. said, everybody's on about his hair, and I said, Paul, why, why don't you try something different? He went, oh, what now? I said, what if I cut your hair? And he went, oh. I thought she was joking. He did. <laughs> did he used to have two ears? <laughs> well, funny enough, on the, de- on the day we, we did have somebody helping one of our friends, Donna, and she did pull me hand away at one point because I nearly cut throat. I nearly slit your throat, didn't I? But he's a bit worried about that bit. Well, sure, yeah, I mean, it would, ma- it would be a bit difficult for him to run around London then, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, talking of net is wonderful. Charity, don't forget this Monday night between six and seven, um, what Striders are doing with the run and revise for youngsters between the ages of 16 and 25. If you just want to go down there and just talk, just talk to one of the Striders guys um, as you run as you run round. And that's all they want you to do. Walk round, run round, do what you like. If you just want to go and talk, as they say, it's good to talk. And uh, Monday night, 6 or 7, go onto the Striders Facebook page, the Striders website, pick it all up from there and um, just go along on Monday night. It, uh, you never know. You really don't. Um, Nettie and Paul, thank you so much. Thank you. That's absolutely brilliant. Really enjoyed tonight. And uh, Jason and Ella, and of course, not fast, Dave as well. Tomorrow night, it is Strictly Mick and Tony, but as usual, it's Strictly Mick and Tony plus one. Um, Plus my hero. John Marshall's going to join us. John Marshall is a lifelong Notts County supporter, so... Jason's sort of at the sort of hanging off the roof and John's trying to dig a hole to bury himself in at the moment but as John will tell us tomorrow night it's only football and there's a lot worse happening in the world than football and that's what I would say if my team was as bad as Notts County but um, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna it find support for us. <laughs> we're gonna find out a little bit more tomorrow night about what's gone wrong with Notts County look back look forward play test Tony and generally muck about for an hour um it's a 60s show, which means it's the one and only Sir Douglas Hall. We-